Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 19th episode of Phenomenal Woman Wednesday. I am your host, Dr. Saran Nataki. Thank you for joining. Welcome to Power 365 Phenomenal Woman Wednesdays. This podcast will address issues ranging from what is a phenomenal woman? Are you enough? Community service, paying it forward, the manifestation of dreams with words and action, the power in being a woman, the men who support phenomenal women, fashion, and much more. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining today. You are in for a really big treat. This is the first of a two-part interview. In this episode, I chat with Joan Williams about the phenomenal women in her life, their influences in her life, and the cultural dynamic of growing up Ghanaian in America. We touch on colorism and self-love. Enjoy. Welcome back to Phenomenal Woman Wednesday. So today I have a very special guest, Mrs. Joan Williams. And uh, Joan Williams has been a, a near and dear friend of mine for over 20 years. And today she has agreed to sit down with me to discuss some really important issues surrounding culture and how she maintains balance in her life as a phenomenal woman. Thank you, Joan, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And girl, it's been close to 30 years. We're, we're getting on the 30 year mark. Oh, is it? I think I said yes, that man. to somebody else too. Like, I think I, I said 20 years and it's really 30. So yeah, we're... we're, <laughs> we're it's been a while. It Let's is. Just say that. <laughs> yeah, the, the kids just figured out that I'm not the age I've been telling them. Um, they said, uh, well, oh. Mommy, if you are 32... How is it that Omar is 28? You can't have had him when you were four. And I said, well, it's like a time machine, Twilight Zone. You just have to trust and believe. <laughs> right. Time just stops for us. When we get yeah, to a right. certain point, it's point, it's just like, it stops you know, and then it picks back up when you're ready, right. you know. Right. But anyhow, um, so Joan is uh, Joan is a phenomenal woman. Joan is a wife, a mother, a daughter. Joan has three wonderful children, all adult now. Oh, wow, you've entered yeah, into yeah. that very special phase of life where, um, well, given our current situation, you're, you're not necessarily an empty nester right now, but... <laughs> You could be, you qualify, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I can check that box. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So Joan and I met uh, when we were in college and uh, I think, what what is it? We had a a class together, uh, genetics. We we had a genetics course and um, I met her, met Joan in, in genetics and one day, I had a, a long break between um, classes and Joan offered to, she said, hey girl, let's just hang out. You remember yep. that, Joan? I do, like yesterday. Yep. Like, <laughs> I, I can still visually see that. And I think we talked for so long, like it, it was kind of organic in a way. It you was. Know, just getting um, knowing each other and just talking, 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 talking. And I think you were pregnant at the time with your oldest child. Um, and I don't know. From that point on, history is written, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, was I pregnant or he, I can't remember exactly, but yeah. probably, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but anyhow, but yeah, we, we talked for a, such a long time and it was just like every day thereafter, 
I yeah. used that break time with you and we just became the best of friends. And mm-hmm. your mother, Kate, <laughs> uh, she had a, a daycare. And so um, when it came time for me to need child care, you're like, my mom can watch him. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I took Joan up on that. I, I went to meet Kate and um, she just, <laughs> loved my baby. Like she charged me $35 a week. I mean, really $35 a week. Didn't require me to bring food. So basically she was just keeping them for free and like feeding them (laughs) (laughs) with the $35 I would give. Like she just, yeah. Yeah. She, um, she always believed that when people were trying to do good for themselves, like make themselves better, especially when it comes to school, she's like, I'll help. In whatever way I can help, I'll, I will do it. And that's just been her from day one to this day. Like, she's that way. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> you know my mom. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, and I mean, basically, I just became a member of the family via this relationship yeah. and her involvement with um, with my son. And um, in fact, at one point, your mom said, um, you know what, just um, you go to school during the week leave him right. here and you just come get him on the weekend yep. <laughs> wait a because minute you know, <laughs> you know what because coming from you know she's Ghanaian and that's what we do that's what they do like mm-hmm. she is just that type um if she if she loves you if she likes you she's like you know <laughs> you do you it's like the grandma right yeah. she's kind of like a, a, a grandma like in that regard you do you and just come get him when you're ready. But, you know, we live in America and that's not how we do things. So. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was so, I mean, you know, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it, but I, uh, but I so appreciate it how endearing, that was very special, very endearing for her to even offer or, or see me in that way to offer, to keep my child for the week and then I would come back and you know for me to come back and get him on the weekend I mean that was just an amazing offer and to pay 30 like that that deal was like the deal of the century century. child care $35 a week and he eats and he's taken care of and the spiritual family and so and he would be going to all the games for yeah for all, all the kids, like all your siblings, when they would have their game, juniors games, when he yeah. would have his games, that he'd be there. Even um, at the time, Ritka was a little girl, but uh, one day I went to drop him off, and um, you know, Ritka answered the door. I think she was seven, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. She was like, no, it's fine. Come on, and bring him in here. And I just, I mean, it felt felt right. I was like, well, I can right. what you know, she doing. <laughs> Right. Yeah, good training, right? <laughs> yeah, Crazy. it's like, wow. Um, but anyhow, so that that gives you a little in, uh, insight into um, who Joan is in my life and how we came to be who we are today. Um, outside of that, um, you know, being sorority sisters, and that came later down the line. So, um, so Joan, uh, the first question I want to ask you today um, so that I can get, you know, my listeners um, give them some insight into how phenomenal you are. What does it mean to be a phenomenal woman? I think it's a perfect segue to uh, the story you just told about my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that a woman is phenomenal when she um, has an impact on the lives of others 
um, by just being herself in whatever capacity they're in, you know, they, and the impact um, is, is long lasting. Uh, and also I think a woman is phenomenal when she um, inspires others in whatever way they can. You know, you have people who can inspire and reach audiences of millions of people. Um, but most of us, you know, we, we have our circles. And I think that when you're phenomenal um, and you have positive impacts on the lives of those around you um, and you inspire them in, in positive ways, I think, you know, to me at least, that's um, the definition of someone who is uh, phenomenal, a phenomenal woman. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and like you said, um, your mom is a, is a perfect example of a phenomenal woman. I've always admired um, how she's been able to raise all of you. So you have four siblings and she's, I mean, all of you are really ethical, great people that I would choose to be a friend of mine, you know, not just um, like now I feel like you're my family, but like I, you know, your family, you don't choose, but I would choose you. Like I, I would choose you. So um, yeah. So who have been the phenomenal women in your life? Obviously your mom. <laughs> yes. well, obviously my mom. Yes. Um, but there've been other women who also are phenomenal. Um, I think I tend to gravitate to, people with like certain energies so mm -hmm. there's one woman her name she's miss mckinney and she's my husband's best friend's mother and she is one of the most funniest people i know she she's older she's like around my mom's age maybe mm -hmm. a little bit older um but when i talk to her i still talk to her she lives in philadelphia i call her mom she um just the insights of life that she gives <laughs> are amazing. She's fabulous. She reminds me of my mother. You know my mom too. She likes to when she gets dressed, she, <laughs> she you know. <laughs> she gets dressed and mm -hmm. she's fabulous. Mm -hmm. And Miss McKinney is that way too. Um I guess she's my I would say like my American uh <laughs> mom version. in that mm -hmm. version. There you go. American version of my mom in that um she loves herself. Um, she will tell you, she will, uh, if you write, she's going to tell you, if you wrong, she's going to tell you. And she does it as if we're best friends, like mm -hmm. just the mm -hmm. way that she talks. So I love that about her. I think that, um, that's what makes her phenomenal. Just being grounded in who you are, you know, mm -hmm. she's, she's unapologetic, uh, unapologetic about who she is and her thoughts and she'll give them to you straight regardless. It doesn't matter <laughs> what it is. Um. I love that about it. And I think she's been impactful um, to me in that way. She helps me ground myself um, in that. And I have phenomenal friends, my circle. I'm, I know a lot of people, but um, there are certain friends, yourself included, that have been phenomenal to me in their lives. I think we all have stories to tell, mm -hmm. right? We all have something we've overcome or something that... Um, we've experienced that has made us stronger and just being whoever you are and getting through those times um, is very impactful. Like I said, for me, a phenomenal woman is someone who impacts and that's been impactful in my life. So uh, taking those nuggets and taking how maybe you've gone through adversity and 
using that as a pillar when I'm going through adversity, you know, to say, if she can do it, I can do it. Cause times don't last long, those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you with that because, you know, when you're, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just, <laughs> just want to um, add this. You know, you, when you're talking about um, a, a phenomenal woman being someone who is uh, basically a real woman having, having something to offer, you know, if you don't have, if you don't go through any adversity and everything's perfect, you have no perspective. You have no, you have, you've not learned really um, in a practical sense. Mm-hmm. how to navigate adversity. And so um, when you have those tools and you're able to offer them to, to the people around you and those that are coming up behind you, your children, your nieces, your cousins, your sisters, your, you know, um, and sometimes we even, we even, you know, help out those that are a little ahead of us. Right. Um, of course. Yeah. I don't think there's a, there are, there has to be levels. We right. can learn from children. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be like, absolutely you know, yeah. young women mm-hmm. who are phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that as well. I don't think it has to be linear at all. I think yeah. it could be, you know, go either way mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's amazing. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned your, your mom um, and uh, Miss McKinney and, and all of the other phenomenal women that, you know, are in your circle that you have, you know, observed being phenomenal, all the different stories, all the experiences, a very rich and fertile ground for growth. Um, have you adopted any of those characteristics? Yes, for sure I have. Um, like my mom, for instance, mm-hmm. she is the core of who I am. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> she you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, mm-hmm. you know, it was a family of seven. Um, my dad worked the graveyard shift and my mom, you know, she did the babysitting business here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very observant of her growing up in the house. I would see how she would, you know, juggle stuff like, all right, we got, you know, we got some meat and we got some spaghetti. All right, let's see if we're going to make something tonight. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just juggling stuff and just observing her, watching these kids, you know, afterwards, making sure we ate, making sure we did our homework, we're doing our homework. Um, she, she just, you know, I, I was very observant of that. Um, in the Ghanaian community, there's a word called um, someone who is like, like inqu- I like to call it inquisitive. They say nosy and it's, um, they say too known. So sometimes I'll be called like, Joan is always so too known, like meaning I'm just nosy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I just, <laughs> you know, I'll ask questions, you know, I will look, I will observe. So watching her through my childhood lens, I soaked up so much um, from her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm even, my own my own kids, too known. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I've learned how to cook. I've learned how to dress. Because like, you know, like I said, my mom, you know, she's, she's vain. She's, she's kind of a vain person, especially when she's all done up and stuff. So, proud of herself. Uh, she's very proud of yes. herself. Um, she, she really is. And another part of my mom also, she's very humble. She'll be that person that's dressed to the nines at church, right? Mm-hmm. But then after church, she'll be the one there cleaning, mopping, mm-hmm. um, you know, in whatever she's wearing. Like, it didn't matter. Like, she will be the one to, um, you know, the things that people don't want to do, mm-hmm. she'll do. Clean the toilets, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So 
I've learned how to be humble as well Mm -hmm. from her. Um, Being, I don't have to be at the top of anything. I can, I can be in the background and I'm okay with that, you know, knowing that I'm supporting or I'm helping. So Mm -hmm. um, I definitely feel like I've, I've adopted um, her because she's the core of who I am. And like I said earlier with like famous McKinney, yourself, other friends, um, I've learned to draw upon experiences um, of, say, something that good or bad that, you know, has happened to help me go through whatever it is I may go through, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's I've said enough on that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, when you just the the examples that you present uh, in terms of just being humble enough to be of service, you know, um, not feeling that because you're so, um, not, not feeling that it's not, understanding that it's still your responsibility to humanity, um, despite what you might be wearing (laughs) to be able to help and to, you know, pull Mm -hmm. up those around you. That's, that's a really wonderful trait. Um, as a Ghanaian American, uh, how would you describe, you know, the cultural dynamic of being Ghanaian, but in America? Like, what does that look like to you? Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of, it's loaded, but not loaded mm-hmm. question. Um, okay. So like being Ghanaian, you know, in my house, we had, my dad every weekend would be playing um, reggae, mm-hmm. uh, Ghanaian highlights music. Like music is a big thing, like at home. And mm-hmm. it, it would just fill the house. Um, and in their own, um, what is it? Their own tribes even. Because my mom and dad are from different tribes in Ghana. Okay. So my dad is of Ashanti and my mom is Ghana. So the language is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they have their customs within within those tribes Mm -hmm. so we'll hear music from each side as well in Mm -hmm. the house and stuff right Mm -hmm. we um we're eating Ghanaian food at home Mm -hmm. um we are my mom spoke to us in the languages so I know a few languages Ghanaian languages Mm -hmm. um but if you ask me today I cannot read I can't speak them back to you Mm-hmm. But I understand it mm-hmm. um, to this day. So she was, it was, I'm very grateful that she introduced us. Like, my dad didn't speak to us. He spoke to us in English all the time. But mm-hmm. my mom, she would speak to us in, in um, Tree and Ghana. So we understood the language. Mm. Um, that So being Ghana, Ghanaian at home um, was, uh, was one thing, right? One picture. But when I go outside to school and the world, I'm black to everybody else, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and black meaning I mean, for for my listeners, yes, <laughs> yes. Sorry. So, uh, so yeah, no, no, <laughs> because our country is um, pretty much the only country that uses uh, that describes um, different um, ethnic groups based on color. So, um, everywhere else, people are just the country they come from, <laughs> but here. We're white, That's black, yellow, red, you know, we're, we're these different colors. So, um, so yeah. when you say black, just so for, for my listeners who may not um, get that, um, it means gotcha. African-American versus African-American. Ghanaian. Um, I mean, we're all of African descent, um, those who are black in America, but black in America means African-American versus um, 
you know, like your Ghanaian culture. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. No, all good. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, Yeah, so I'm African-American to the outside world at school um, and those other social settings. So they didn't really know that I was African, you know, of African descent. And so how would I describe that? You know, we're living in America, so I'm adopting American um, cultures as well, Mm -hmm. right? And things of that nature. And kids are just mean, (laughs) you know, as you're growing up, just kids are just mean. And I would get called a lot of things. I am very um, rich in tone. I I have very dark skin. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And... uh, Thank you. I have very dark skin. So even within my family, I think I'm one of the darkest people. Um, It was a complex that I had for quite some time in my life, like most of my life until I would say, let's say within the last, let's say 10 years, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Always down on my skin color. Um, Because I think when you as a teenager, such a ripe age, those teenage years, um, you know, you begin to internalize a lot of things that are said about you, you know, oh, you're as black as midnight or, oh, African booty scratcher, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm, those yeah. ignorant things that people would say. Mm-hmm. And then the actions behind them, um, again, as a teenager, you know, you want to have the boyfriend or someone, you know, the guy, you want them to have notice of you. And like, when nobody does, it's like, dang, well, what's wrong with me? You know, what, mm-hmm. what, what's the problem here? Um, images of beauty weren't necessarily of, you know, the black people who were out there were light, lighter skin, you know, longer hair, different hair textures. So you, you start to internalize like, well, what's wrong with me? Why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, again, at home, my mom, she, she doesn't necessarily she didn't overly say, oh, you're beautiful or, you know, you're this, you're that. It wasn't like that. It was like, it was kind of like understood. Like, look, mm-hmm. you've got to go to school, do this, you do, you know, it's like, it was, it was like business. Right. Um, so for me, trying to figure that out, um, I would make sure my hair was always done. My nails were done. Um, I got the most latest clothes. She didn't buy any of that for me. I had to work for that. I mean, in eighth grade, I was selling candy at middle school. I had $20 bags mm-hmm. <laughs> at running mm-hmm. selling the candy so I can have money to go and, and have those things to, you know, pump myself up or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's funny that um, you're even asking me this question because just recently, maybe within the last couple of months, I was looking at a photo that I had taken um when I was in the eighth grade I want to say eighth or ninth grade and I was just looking at the picture and I was like Joan you are such a cute young lady like what it's amazing how society can make you feel so small and so ugly or whatever it is um and you don't even see the beauty in yourself like because just reflecting looking at that picture I was like you were a very beautiful young woman. Like, mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so low at that point. It's interesting um, when you look back at yourself, we, like when you look at pictures of yourself, I've had, uh, um, you know, for, for a variety of different reasons, but like just looking back at pictures of my young self and looking in my eyes, mm-hmm. 
you know, like um, it, if you look mm-hmm. in the eyes, mm-hmm. it can really take you back to the moment. You, you the, the photo was snapped. Everything mm-hmm. that was going on, all the circumstances, what happened that day on the playground mm-hmm. with your friend, um, what was going on between your parents. You know, uh, you know, it, it can really mm-hmm. take you. So that I, I do understand exactly what you mean by, um, you know, when you look back at yourself. And, um, and then you're able to see yourself through your adult eyes and you're like, what if I, if I could just go back and give her a clue on a few things, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Just positive affirmations and and things like that. I think, I don't know, maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe it wouldn't. I have no idea, but you're right. Like looking at, looking at myself in that time, you know, was interesting and then you know growing up too um you know the moisturizers and things that we would use for our face would have some bleaching cream in it and i didn't know it at the time mm-hmm. i'm just using it you know after you wash your face you don't want your face to be dry you yeah. put on the, the moisturizer and it wasn't until i got older that i realized that um there was bleach in them mm-hmm. and my tone you know was changing um then once I realized that those, I stopped because mm-hmm. and I don't know what made me say no more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just like, well, this is uh, this is crazy. This is what I thought in my head, you know, like I, I'm going, I'm not using this anymore, mm-hmm. um, and just let my natural tones come out however they are, mm-hmm. and that's that. You you, your own but, internal monitor, you know, again, that uh, that that voice, that. yeah. You're, you know, we have to. We, I, I believe I'm not like you know. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm not an <laughs> oracle or anything, <laughs> but um, I, I think I, I believe that we have, you know, we we have our own internal monitor. We have our own connection to the source, to God, to um, you know. So mm-hmm. there's a thing in you that you tapped into even at that early age that didn't feel right for you. You know, um, I, I call it like your moment of spiritual awareness. I remember being a kid and acknowledging, and it sounds so crazy, but um, maybe, maybe not to some, but acknowledging myself in myself. Like there was a moment that I, at, at a young age where I knew this is not my flesh is not it. Mm-hmm. Like an awakening. Yes. Yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. I and I was really young. Like, I, I mean, like I was a kid and I'm like, mm-hmm. this is, and I would look at myself in the mirror and like see myself that, you know, I would look at myself and like, Oh, that's, that's me. That's me. You know, um, you know so weird. I completely <laughs> understand what you're saying because mm-hmm. I have the same experiences. Mm-hmm. Even today, sometimes I'm like, "Am I in myself?" I don't, it's weird to say that, but like, yeah, yeah. no, I know. Am yeah, I in yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't even know how to describe yeah. it. But yes, <laughs> <my> right. <laughs> um, who is this? Yeah. Who am I looking at? Yeah, who are you looking yeah, at? I, yeah. I, I totally so, so yeah, but but my point was, um, yeah. So when you you made that decision for yourself it was your self your your true self <laughs> you know um you know decide mm-hmm. making a decision about what you felt was right for you that's that's really deep that's a that's a very strong move as a as a young child to be able to acknowledge that yeah as a teenager even and that mm-hmm. 
in the time where I'm confused about why people don't, you know, they don't like me per se, you know, to say, you know, no. So whatever that was, I thank God for it, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and to your um, to your point too, yeah. like when you're talking about um being a kid and how mean children can be, um, you know, it's interesting because I remember um being in grade school and I had a, um, my kindergarten teacher, um, Mrs. Marion Hubbard was my kindergarten teacher. I mean, she's, she's passed on now, but she was hands down, like one of those influential phenomenal women in my life. And as we matriculated through school, um, she became like a, um, a resource teacher, um, later on. And so she was responsible for our social studies segment. And this was around hmm, third, fourth grade, something like that. And Mm -hmm. so, um, anyhow, we're in, um, you know, doing our social studies unit and we had these books, these archaic, crazy books, (laughs) 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 I mean I don't think anybody would believe the stuff that we were learning back then like so okay so in the book this and this is to this day I'm you know however many years old I am I'm old and I still remember this particular day and looking in this book so Mm. in the book there were three groups of people Mm -hmm. negroid Mongoloid and Caucasoid. Okay. Wow. Are you serious? I'm, wow. Not not kidding. This is true. Like Negroid, Mongoloid, Caucasoid. So the 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 these these are the and they had images that were attached to the how, who fell in these groups. Uh-huh. So um the Mongoloid people were uh you know all the Asian people, um Native American, like they had these different um uh groups that fell under the mongoloid group Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay the mongoloid group was they were cave people that's what the picture looked like it's like a Mm -hmm. a guy and a um animal thing like like a you know and he had a bat like like um you remember flintstones like bam bam like Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm, (laughs) looked like bam bam like bam bam's big brother that's what (laughs) the mongoloid person like okay and the Negroid was um had uh was very primitive as well. Um had a spear and um like very that's the best way to describe it. It was like a, pr- a very primitive person. Okay. And the the Caucasoid person was a a, a nice little um you know, white girl with two ponytails and ribbon, and she was sitting at a school desk. Oh, she was a girl. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. She was a sweet, sweet girl with a, a floral dress, yellow dress. I, I, I tell you, I remember this. Yellow mm-hmm. dress with white flowers, and she was sitting at the desk with ribbon in her hair. And she said, and when um, our classroom, which was, I would say, I think we had one other person in there that may have been Latino, um, but mostly we were made up of African-American children. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Hubbard, who happened to also be a woman of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, um, okay. she said, 
um, well, all of you are of African descent. The class erupted in protest. Really? I'm not no African booty scratcher. I'm not no. And it was so sad because um, I, I had the benefit of <laughs> growing up in my household where um, that was taught. Like, as soon as you pop out of the womb, here's who you are. <laughs> you know, this mm-hmm. is what we come from. Mm-hmm. This is our history. This is what you need to look at. You know, like that's how my father navigated that. So um, we had, mm-hmm. and, and anyone who's from our generation I might remember those ebony encyclopedias, wall, like rows yes. and rows. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ebony encyclopedia. Yes. So if you yes. were ever bored, go get you go get one of those ebony encyclopedias. <laughs> Dang it! I'm not bored. I'm. <laughs> I just remembered. <laughs> like I have all these other things I can do because no kid wants right. to sit around just reading my encyclopedia. Of but course. I, but That's I had right. to. Like he would, and he would sit down mm-hmm. there with me. We, we would go through them. And so anyway, mm-hmm. by the time I got to this classroom and we were met with this book um, with mm-hmm. the, you know, the three groups, Mongoloid, Negroid, Coxoid, and the mm-hmm. pictures. It, and it wasn't so much the, that the, the groups were there that stood out. Mm-hmm. It was what the person in that represented the group, the image that was attached, look, and the disparity between yeah. The, yeah. the Caucasoid girl and these mm-hmm. cave people from the other group. Nobody wants, no one wanted to be primitive. We all wanted to be evolved and be sitting at the desk, you know? And so, um, you know, I just remember um, getting that and then going home and sharing with my father, like, you know, daddy, look at this book. Um, This is what they, uh, (laughs) my father being such a rebel. (laughs) He said, look at this. This is what they said. He said, give me this old ignorant book. And he chucked it up into the, uh, (laughs) Oh, wow. He chucked it into. Like, he chucked it up. We had like this um, storage area above the closet. He chucked it up there and wouldn't give it back. And mm. he said, "They ask you about it. Just tell them I don't want you to read it." <laughs> so I, right. Okay. But imagine you said that you were in kindergarten, and that is what they the images that they're giving out there. So how impactful that is to someone, to someone who else? Have a yeah. Father. Absolutely. Yeah. I was a little older by the time I got the book, but the point is, yeah, I was, I I mean, I was still around seven or eight. Yeah. 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 So, so, so to my point, so the, the, I guess the the context here is that here Mm -hmm. you come into this Mm -hmm. environment of children who have been primed. True. Right. To think that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't want to be connected with that. That's not, you know, um, but it's all a mind game. Uh, at least, you know, back then, that's what it was. <laughs> so, totally was. Like conditioning you yeah. from a young age to believe one way. That's what I was saying when I'm looking at my pictures, old pictures today. I'm like, what in the world were people seeing? Right. You know, like, this is, it's so opposite. And, of course, today, um, and I'm glad times have changed in, in, in some of this. Um, in the evolution of accepting people who are darker complexed, you know, um, as humans and as a, a source of, not source of beauty, but a, a, another type of beauty, mm-hmm. um, where now I swear I'll go out and I'll hear it often. Mm-hmm. Your complexion is so beautiful. Yeah. You are so beautiful. And I'm like, where were these guys, you know, however many, you know, years ago? And 
We didn't have the Alec Wex and the, you know, the beautiful Sudanese models that we have now that are out here, like really representing, you know, those darker complexions and beauty, you know, and just being hands down. And hair, hair as well. And Mm -hmm. hair, and hair. Mm -hmm. Because you've embarked upon uh, a natural hair journey as well. Yes, you helped me do that. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing. I am one, again, I am my mother's child. Mm-hmm. I like change. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I like to change. Yeah. I like to change my hair up and my looks up often. Mm-hmm. And I've never been a I've never been ashamed of my natural hair. Mm-hmm. It was just more of um, okay, how can I make Learning this it. work? And yeah. Yes. Starting it and then uh, being in the workforce, mm-hmm. you know, and not wanting to offend anybody and thinking that, but then you realize, well, this is the hair is coming out of my own head. That's right. So how can, how can be, it be offensive? You know, <laughs> offensive to anybody? Like yeah. I can't change what's coming out of my scalp. Yeah. Like this is it, you mm-hmm. know. So um, just being able to be confident today in that um, is is uh, it's a great thing for my mm-hmm. psyche, you know, for images of young people. Um, growing up, one thing I did want to share mm-hmm. um, is well, two things. One, as a child, I was, you know, my middle name is Amaki, okay, and mm-hmm. Amaki is a Ghanaian um, name that means firstborn girl. And I forget which side of my family, I think it's my dad's side on mm-hmm. the uh, Ashanti side. Um, and I was always very, very ashamed when people would say, Well, what's your full name? I would not want to say. Oh, I can relate. At least, those, <laughs> at least to those questions, and that yeah. you know, I wasn't proud to be quote unquote African, mm-hmm. and you know, and all of that um, in this American world. Yeah. And so, but my mom, um, as a young child, my mom had fostered a young woman. My mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, in New York. We used to live in New York. We were there for 10 years before we moved to California. So in New York, this woman, um, shout out to New York, <laughs> shout out to New York, uh, the Bronx boogie down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, there's an older woman that lived in our apartment complex mm-hmm. and she had a, da- a granddaughter. Miss Sadie was the grandmother. Nancy is the daughter. And she was older. But anyway, she would watch me, I guess, sometimes. And Miss Sadie ended up passing away. And my parents uh, took on Nancy as their foster kid. Nancy was older than me. So, of course, I was attached to her hip. I was like five or six, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, you know, growing up. Big sister. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, my big sis. Yes, to this day, she's still my big sis. So, um, she, I was always at her hip and stuff. But she loved the Ghanaian culture. She would call me a maki all the time, and I hated it. Like, <laughs> it's like, stop calling me that, you know? Like, I, I hated her calling. She would call me a maki all the time. And it wasn't, again, until my evolution of self uh, growing up, and we all go through it, you mm-hmm. know, ever-changing, um, that, I mean, now my quote-unquote Facebook name is Amaki Williams, because now, you know, I've taken, I appreciate yeah. my African but there was a time I hated Funny. it. I hated it <laughs> to no lie. And then the second point I wanted to share, and then um, you know we can go from there. My daughter, when she was about let's say five, I think she was in kindergarten. Um, you know how you, they have you draw pictures of your family and things like mm-hmm. that. 
So she drew pictures of the family. And when she drew herself, she was very dark, right? She was dark like me. And I was like, oh, who's this? You know, I said that to her. She's like, that's me, mommy. I want to be just like you. And that, like, I was like, wow, somebody, like, loves me enough to be as dark as I am. You know, it was Mm -hmm. like one of those mom moments that I, like I said, I still struggled with that. And um, for her to say that was just, wow. And then a certain goddaughter of mine, I was told also, like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, appreciated my dark tones. And so it just made me realize, like, okay, Joan, like, you know, this is, it's something that bothered me for a long time, but today I'm, I'm so glad that I am where I am and confident in my look, you know, and, and how I feel. Of course, my husband loves it, but, you know, you feel like, oh, they're supposed to say that or they're mm-hmm. supposed to say people or whatever. But yeah. I had to come to the realization for myself to accept that mm-hmm. in who I am. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for being so vulnerable and open, you know, with all of that. These are real issues that, you know, we still are navigating right yeah. now, you know, and, yeah. um, and you, you mentioned uh, Sierra, your goddaughter, my daughter. Yeah, she, yeah. she is, um, Sierra has a beautiful dark complexion. And when she was really young, she's like, how can I get darker? So I can wow. be like Auntie Joan. Like she has, yeah. she's, her skin is so beautiful. And I was just so proud of that. I was so proud of the fact that she was proud of herself, you know. Um, yes. Yeah, so I was so proud of that. And, you know, my own father is very dark. So, um, you know, I, I never had any issues. Like I thought it was amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. And um, interestingly, um, just we, we share this in common I, as you were talking um, and explain your name and um, how you, th- we have that in common, Joan, because my mm-hmm. father named me Saran Nataki, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's Swahili and mm-hmm. um, Saran means joy, like joy to the world. And Nataki mm-hmm. means born of high birth. So mm-hmm. isn't that interesting? Like Amaki mm-hmm. and Nataki. So born of high birth and my family calls me Taki for short. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so um, my, my, my entire family, my extended family, everyone, that's what they call me. And so mm-hmm. um, when I would be out playing or we would be out at the mall or anywhere, Taki, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, let me stop calling me that, you know? And it's so, you know, even with all the... Yeah. you know, positive affirmations and the, you know, black is beautiful speeches and the <laughs> indoctrination, right. of, yes. you know, yes. African pride and, you know, that was infused <laughs> into my household and reality. The mm-hmm. external influences still crept in to make me ashamed mm-hmm. of my name. And so yes. like you, I have my name on my Facebook, like Taki. <laughs> so, mm. Yeah. <laughs> that um, yeah I didn't even I mean I would have never made that connection had we not had this conversation so that is because I'm I'm proud of it and and it wasn't until when I got to college and um you know I'd meet people and um uh it would there was a group of people that I met 
And um, during my freshman year, and we became, we just like was my crew, r- real close. Mm-hmm. And um, they learned my name, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, Taki, that's what I'm calling you." Mm. In fact, I think it was um, Marcellus. Do you remember Marcellus? Yeah, I yeah. do. So yeah, so he's the one. He he was. We were in the same. You know, it was like our. You know, how you come in. You have your freshman crew of people. So he yes. was. Uh, he was in my crew, and he's like, "Oh, oh that's dope. I'm call, that's I'm calling you Taki." And then after yeah. that, it just kind of caught on, and everyone it's just stuck. kind of mm-hmm. did it, and it was like, "Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. right. That's it's right. dope." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Like I've been dope right. all this time and I just didn't even realize yes. how dope I was. Like, wow, yes. I've been sleeping on how dope I am. Like, Jesus, you know, so yep. another, yep. you know, feather in my cap to my dopeness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, there's something else I wanted to, you, when you were talking um, about that. Uh, oh, so uh, yeah, just, I think that having the examples that we have today with respect to, um, you know, various, the, the, the spectrum, the spectrum of colors that uh, represent beauty, um, you know, American beauty standards have yeah. definitely changed, right? So we have evolved from one uh, perspective of beauty, that's blonde hair, blue eyes, very thin, to now, mm-hmm. in addition to that, because I think all women are beautiful, in addition to that, we can be um, any size from there to the uh, to, to the opposite end of the spectrum, um, ranging from very light to very dark, from straight to all various textures in between, ranging up through curly to very tight curls um, to... I mean, you name it, it's all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Full lips, full mm-hmm. figures, you know, hips. Okay. I mean, it's all, yeah. So we have all of those different um, examples of beauty now. And I think it's just so amazing, you know, that everyone gets to look at someone else and see themselves. You know, before you would look at um, American standards of beauty and not really see yourself, but now we're yeah. there. Just being included. All there. included. Yeah. Yes, you just want to be included. To know that you know, I, I can be beautiful too. Mm-hmm. And the whole <laughs> "my know, black oh, is beautiful, beautiful" movement, right? That's that that right there yeah. is just amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah thank yeah, you for yeah, sharing yeah. that. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. give everyone some insight. Um, you know, some people may be surprised that it even exists, even if you're, um, you know. <clears throat> sometimes you can be part of a culture, but not really. Um, realize that certain things are happening around you if you're not impacted the same way. You know what I mean? Um, So, um, you know, my family, and I'm sure everyone's family um, that's African-American, we have a range of colors, you know, in our families. Mm -hmm. And my experience might be very different from someone else in my family. You know, they're not not really, or they experience the upside of it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you make an excellent point even in the Ghanaian community as well in my own family yes we vary in hues for sure mm-hmm. you know um and like you said some experiences are um different mm-hmm. than others within it but um 
I think some people thought, well, I don't know, not thought, but think, at least I've been told this, that they never would think that I had a complex at all about it. So maybe whatever I give off, it doesn't, it doesn't show or whatever it is. I mean, of course, I'm not going to be walking around with my head down, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> outside going, I'm well with me. You know, no, I'm not. <laughs> so dark, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, it's because of, because like you said, you adopted those characteristics from your mother and your mother is certainly yeah. not ashamed of herself. And so you, uh, I said, that, that is a wonderful gift. I know you described it as being vain, but I think it's, um, I think it's, deeper than vanity. Like I think vanity is kind of our go-to descriptor, but I think it's, mm-hmm. it's She's confident. She's it's confident. confident and proud. Like this is, and you know what? Perfect. This is, this is perfect point to make. Um, I think that we're taught that if we have exhibit self-love and we are happy with ourselves or proud of ourselves or celebrate you know, how good we feel about ourselves, how we may look, how, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that it's perceived as a negative thing. But mm-hmm. it ha- you have to, like, <laughs> it, it has yeah. to start there. Like, why is somebody else going to love something you don't love? Like, you know, it's like, you. It's, okay, because, I, 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 you know, shopping, perfect example, I love to shop. And so mm-hmm. if I'm shopping, and, um, and, and I'm sure you've experienced because you like to shop too. So I'm sure mm-hmm. you've experienced this. Like you're in the store, you pick up something. And then as soon as you pick it up, it becomes attractive to everyone around you. And you're like, mm. mm-hmm. and you weren't even, mm-hmm. and you weren't even th- thinking about it that tough. But yeah, once you mm-hmm. picked it up and they started becoming attracted to you, like, mm, I'm going to hold on to this because let me think about this, you know? Right. And it's so, valuable. <laughs> so, but so, <laughs> so it's the same thing with your self-image. Like, if you don't love it, who else is going to love it? You know, so you have to love it. You have to love it. You have to celebrate it. You have to be confident, happy. And that's what you give off. That's why people are like, yeah. what? Uh-uh. But you got to get to that point. You have to too, get there. You do. Right? You, gotta you have to believe there. your own hype. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You gotta hype and you gotta believe. Yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta believe your own hype. Like, you know, look, I'm, I'm I'm the bomb, and then but you know you gotta believe it. You know, at the same. Yeah. So wow. Yeah. This concludes part one of a two-part interview. Please tune in next week as I continue my discussion with Joan and we continue our discussion on self-love and why she took a nine-month pause from social media. Thank you for tuning in to Power 365, Phenomenal Woman Wednesdays. I believe that every woman gifts the universe with her own strengths and unique characteristics. Simply because she is born, the universe benefits. Every woman is growing, learning, and evolving. On this channel, only positive seeds are sown, no matter how flawed the soil. Take care and have a phenomenal Wednesday. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. The Phenomenal Woman Wednesday podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube.